You know, after that worship service, I just want to say, whoo, if that doesn't get you awake, then I don't know if we ought to get that uh, electric device back there and put it on your chest and say, clear. We're free. Free forever. We're free. You know why we're free? Because death has been arrested. The king arrested it. And we're free. It's been arrested. It's been taken care of. I can tell you, if, if you're not under the blood of Christ, you're not free. It is an incredible freedom. Death, burial, resurrection. This is the message of Christ, and this is the message of Easter. This shirt is the shirt that we usually give people when they're baptized and they pull it over top of their clothes and they walk into the baptistry with a proclamation. Death, burial, resurrection. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Today, I will use this Easter season and the two weeks leading up to Easter to examine all three. Death, burial, and resurrection. Last Sunday, I, ch I challenged the church to invite somebody to come with you to these three sessions. If, if you're in the audience today, maybe this is your first time or maybe second time. If you're a visitor here today, we welcome you. We welcome you to be free with us and acknowledge the king that has arrested death. We, we welcome you today and I have a request, just a personal request on behalf of the church. And if you're here today as a visitor, I want you to fill out a visitor card. We're not going to bug you, but we're going to reach out to you in some way. And if you'll fill out a visitor card and drop it off at the Welcome Center when you go out the back door. We're going to give you a little gift from the church. And I ask that you do that. They're also going to pass out some cards today to our regular folk as you go out the door and it's just going to be something you can pass out to invite somebody to the next two weeks of our Easter series and I ask you to take advantage of that. I heard a funny story this morning. There was somebody at a restaurant and uh, they go to church here and somebody walks up to them and hands them one of those cards and invites them to church. They didn't know they already came to church here. And how cool is that, that just some stranger walks up to your table at a restaurant and says, would you go to church at Nineveh with me Sunday? And this person says, yeah, I will, because I go there every Sunday. <laughs> it is impossible to understand the significance of Easter without understanding death, burial, and resurrection. Death. Just stop for a moment and let that word sink in. What a terrible word, death. In fact, uh, I've preached I don't know how many funerals in the last 25 years. And lots of times at a funeral, I will begin with something like this. Just as soon as I step up to the podium, I'll say, death. What a terrible word. It is a terrible, <clears throat> terrible word. Three older men, each in their late 80s, all go to the funeral home to visit a friend who has passed away. As they stand around the casket discussing the life that their friend had lived on this earth, 
one of them asked the others, what do you want people to say about you when they come to your funeral? What do you want people to say about you when they stand in front of the coffin like we're standing in front of the coffin of our dearly beloved friend? What do you want people to say about you? First man said, I hope they say I was a generous man, that I always helped the less fortunate, that I was a giver. The second man said, I hope they say that I was a dedicated family man, faithful to my wife, faithful to my children, and my grandchildren. I was a faithful man. They stood there a while, and then they asked the third guy, who had become kind of silent. They asked the third guy, what about you? What do you want them to say about you as they stand up next to your coffin? He says, well, I hope they say, wait a minute, I think he's breathing. (laughs) It's a terrible word. It's a terrible word. No matter how you shake it, it's a terrible word. Death can assemble a group of people in a room. You know, that's what funerals are. Death, a word, assembles a crowd. People you would never get together will get together because of that word. Death is powerful. It is seemingly unstoppable. And I want you to understand where we're going today. Death is an enemy. It is an enemy. Let's begin there. Death is an enemy. As we start this three-part Easter series leading up to the resurrection of Christ, you need to begin with the idea that death was an enemy. It is an enemy. Man was not created to die. We were not intended for death. Death is an enemy invasion into our world. Death is an enemy invasion from another place into our world. You will never understand Easter until you understand. Death is an enemy invasion from another place. The book of Genesis reveals the details of this invasion of death into our world. In fact, you might be surprised that God is the one that brings up the enemy before the other enemy shows up. God is the one that brings up the enemy called death before the other enemy, Satan, even shows up. In Genesis 2.15, the Word of God says, The Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend it and to watch over it. But the Lord God warned him. He's put Adam in the garden. And then the Lord God warns Adam, You may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And if you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. There you go. The origin of death in the kingdom of man on planet earth. The origin, that's it. God announced it. And God warned Adam of the possibility of an enemy invasion. Are you with me? He warned Adam of the possibility that there is an enemy that could invade our planet. Death surrounded a tree. But the tree really wasn't the problem. The choice was the problem. 
The problem was freedom. But how can freedom be a problem? They were free to choose, and there cannot be freedom to choose unless there's a choice. Do you understand that? There was a freedom given to Adam and to Eve, the freedom to choose. But there can't be freedom unless there's a choice. A choice to obey God and a choice to disobey God. It is in this scene that the word death or die first appears. But the enemy invasion has not taken place yet. Even though God has announced the potential of an enemy invasion, death is an enemy. God has announced the potential of an enemy invasion, but the enemy has not invaded, not yet. God has announced it. You're sure to die. He announced it. But did Adam and Eve hear and understand the catastrophic potential of this deadly enemy invasion? We don't know how much time has elapsed from the time God announced the freedom to choose death or life, but we do know about the leader of the invasion into the kingdoms of men. The enemy delivers an enemy. The enemy is called Satan, and he delivers a package that is also an enemy. And it comes from outside our world. See, God didn't create Adam and Eve to die. There was an enemy that brought an enemy to our planet. Satan, the enemy of God, brought an enemy of man, death. And he brought it here, Genesis 3, verse 1. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say? Did God really say you must not eat fruit, eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat, God said. You must not eat of it. You must not eat it or even touch it or what? You will die. The serpent is shrewd. And he is the leader of the enemy invasion. The enemy has arrived on earth. You'll never understand Easter until you understand this. The serpent is shrewd and the enemy has now arrived on planet earth. You need to know that nothing on earth has experienced death at this point. Not yet. Only life. And God has announced a freedom that could open a door. God announced to Adam, to Eve, a freedom that could open a door to this enemy invasion and lead to a choice of death. And now Satan, the serpent, is questioning this freedom of choice. Satan knows the consequences of this choice. Satan knows, and he's shrewd. He knows the consequences of the choice of trees. But here's a question. Does Eve know? Yes, she knows. She knows. God has made it clear, and she knows that the freedom of choice, listen, church, the freedom of choice. If you want the freedom to choose, you need to understand that there's a consequence to your choice. Death. Come on. 
Let's use some logic. Who in their right mind would choose death, especially while living in paradise? Huh? Who in their right mind would choose death, knowing in advance that God said, if you eat of that tree, you will surely die? Who in their right mind, living in paradise, would choose to die? See, I don't think Adam or Eve would have chosen death without the invasion of the enemy. Listen, listen. I don't think Adam or Eve would have ever chosen death without the deception of the enemy who has come to this earth. He's shrewd, and he's powerful, and he's a liar. He's a deceiver. So they don't, they don't really consciously think, well, I'll die if I eat that. Did God really say? You see, God has spoken. Think of the simplicity of this scene. God has spoken. If you eat this fruit, you will die. God has spoken. His word is clear. Do you want to see how Satan works? Then and now. Do you want to see how Satan works then and now? You've got to give him some credit for consistency. You know how he worked then and how he works now? Did God really say? I'm going to hold it real high. Did God really say? Oh, no, no, no. no. He, didn't, he didn't really mean that. I, I know that's what they said he said, but he didn't really mean that. He's shrewd. Do you see how Satan works? Eve has heard the word. Let's focus on Eve for a moment. She has heard the word of God and acknowledged, acknowledged. In other words, you want to communicate something to somebody, you want to make sure they get it, you ask them to repeat it back to you. So you know that they got it. Eve has received the word of God and she has acknowledged the word of God. Let me repeat verse 3 of Genesis 3 again. Eve says, it's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. And if you do, you will die. She knows. She knows. But there is a subtle, smooth voice. Oh, is he subtle. And oh, is he smooth. There's a subtle, smooth voice that speaks in this deadly invasion. The enemy, the adversary, the liar, he will speak. Did you know the word Satan actually means, if you look it up, the word Satan actually means adversary or opponent? Because that's who he is. And he is the chief of the fallen spirits. And he's not from earth. Do you understand something? He's not from the earth. He is from the heavens. And he is the leader of the heavenly invasion that brings death. He is an enemy, an opponent, an adversary, and he brought a package to planet earth. Death. And it's an enemy. This is the third time you'll find the word death in the Bible. And now it's Satan's turn. Verse 4. He's talking to Eve and he says, you won't die. What? You won't die. I, I know what God said, but you won't die. The servant replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it. And you'll be like God. Eve, Eve, come on. Eve, you can be like God. 
You can know both good and evil. You don't have to just be happy to know about good. You can know both good and evil, making you like God. Come on, Eve. You won't die. In this scene, three voices have spoken. In this scene, three voices have spoken. God, Eve, and Satan. And they have all said the word die. And we're just in Genesis chapter 3. But death hasn't come yet. Not yet. The enemy Satan has delivered the deception. The seed of falsehood has been laid in the soil. But no one's died yet. The false has been delivered in the midst of the true. But she hasn't touched the tree. Not yet. True and false now lay side by side in the garden of God's creation. True and false, they're both there. And there's a choice. The freedom to choose is there. Listen carefully, the freedom of choice. I've often thought it's God's greatest gift and it's God's greatest curse. The ability to choose. It's all wrapped in the same package. The freedom to choose is there, the freedom of choice. God has given this freedom freely. The freedom requires a choice, and the choice requires at least two. You understand something? For us to be free, for man to have the freedom to choose, there must be two trees. He couldn't put Adam and Eve in the garden and say, you're free to choose, but there's only one tree, the tree of life. So there has to be two trees. But God made it clear the right choice. But there's an enemy. And he's not from this planet and he's here on the earth. One voice says there's an out of bounds tree. And you know it's out of bounds and you know it will make you surely die. That's one voice. That's one word that comes from God. But the other voice says something different, doesn't he? Right? Come on, let's say... there. One of them can't be telling the truth. The other voice says, no, that's not true. You will not die. You'll be like God. You know what that means? And, and it means this. I believe the, the, the foundation of all sin rests in this issue. You can be like God. You can make your own rules. You can set your own boundaries. And God put this thing around that tree. You don't need that thing around that tree. You, you won't. You can be like God. You can make up your own rules, your own boundaries. You can decide. Listen, Satan says you can decide good and evil on your own. You don't have to use his standard. You can just make up your own good and your own evil. Create your own definition. You can be like God. No one, unless they are deceived. Who would... Choose death while you live in paradise. Who would choose death while you're in an eternal body? Listen, listen, Adam and Eve were in eternal flesh. They were immortal, not subject to death, not yet. And they live in paradise with God. Who would choose death living in paradise? No one, unless they are deceived. This is the work of an enemy. This is the work of an adversary, 
This is a work of an evil opponent from outside of our world. Satan is an enemy, and the package he is delivering to the kingdom of men is an enemy called death. Surely they won't open the package. Right? Surely they won't open the package knowing what's inside. Surely God's word will prevent them from opening the serpent's package. Verse 4, you won't die. Satan said, you won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. Verse 5, God knows that your eyes will be opened, and as soon as you eat it, you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. And the woman was convinced. Uh-oh, that doesn't sound good, does it? The woman, Eve, was convinced. She saw that the tree was what? Notice, notice the tree. This tree that's out of bounds. This tree that God said, no, it's actually death. This tree of the knowledge of good and evil, it's beautiful. And this fruit looks delicious. She wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it, and she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it too. And at that moment, at that moment, at that moment, their eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together and covered themselves. She ate it. She was deceived by the enemy. She ate it. She gave some to her husband, Adam, and he ate it. She ate it. She opened up the enemy's package called death. She opened up the enemy's package called death, took what was inside, and took it inside of her body. She ate it. The freedom to choose has just chosen. Chosen death over life. The freedom to choose has just chosen. Chosen a lie over the truth. Chosen Satan over God. The enemy had won. The enemy had won. Adam and Eve were going to surely die. Listen, listen, church. The enemy invasion was a success. He's not from here. It's an invasion, and he brought death to planet Earth. And it was a success. And not just Adam and Eve, but all who would come from Adam and Eve were going to surely die. It's called sin, and sin is the choice of death, and we've all sinned. Let, let's admit it. Let's come to truth. We don't have to try to sin. It just happens. I've said on numerous occasions, I don't know anybody that has to wake up in the morning and look over at their wife and say, honey, today I'm going to try to sin. You don't have to try. It's just there. It just happens. We've all been infected. We've all been infected by this enemy seed, and we're all going to die one day. Do you know anybody 126? I'm glad nobody raised their hand. I wouldn't know, what, wouldn't know where to go after that. Where'd they go? What happened? Let's stop for a moment and ask an important question. Let's stop for a moment. It's really important that I do this. Let's stop for a moment and ask an important question. Do you believe this story that I have just told you 
about an enemy invasion from another world. Do you believe it? Are you sure? Do you believe it's absolute truth? Do you believe the cause of death is sin and sin finds its origin in the story of Adam and Eve and the serpent in the garden? I remember, and I've shared this numerous times, but to me it's kind of a defining moment. I I remember being at a funeral a few years ago and I said something like, I don't remember exactly how I put it, but, I, but I, here's a deceased person in a coffin, and I'm preaching the funeral, and I said something like this, sin is the cause of death. Sin is the reason there's death in this room today. And a person, a lady, sitting just a few rows back in the audience got so mad when I said that that she slung her chair and ran out the back door. (sighs) One of those things. And I'm thinking, ooh, this is interesting. And and you know what? Since then, I have noticed, I have noticed, I've not stopped saying it. By the way, I don't change the message. I still say the same thing. I just kind of duck when the chairs go to fly. And several funerals over the last few years, I've had the same exact experience. That if, if you draw people, when death is in front of you, when somebody has died right in front of you, it's there. There's a coffin. There's somebody in there, and they're not breathing. And you say, the cause is sin. They get mad at you. You see, what's interesting to me is that didn't used to happen in America. There was a time, even if you were an unbeliever, you wouldn't question the idea that sin equals death but it's changing now you see some people say that garden of eden stuff was a long time ago but what about now even if you say even if you're in the room today and say okay okay it's hard to argue that sin equals death sin's the cause of death it's the origin of death it was an enemy invasion but you know that was the garden of eden that's a long time ago what's that got to do with me today preacher I'll ask you a question. Who would choose death when there is life? Do you believe there's a choice today? Or do you think that Adam and Eve had a choice and they blew it, so what? We're just done. The enemy invasion's real. I don't have a choice. Do you believe that every person of God now has a choice? A choice. Do you believe you have the freedom to choose death or life? Do you believe you have the choice, the chance, the opportunity to choose immortality over mortal life? There is a deceiver that doesn't want you to believe that you have a choice. He's still here. Did you think he left? When he messed up everything in the garden, did you think he left? He's still here. And he's still shrewd. It's interesting that Eve was the one deceived. I always found it interesting. But Adam bears the responsibility. Eve is the one that was deceived. And if you doubt that, then I'll show you why I come to that conclusion. Do you know why? Because Eve is the one deceived, but Adam bears the responsibility. Because Eve came from Adam. That's why Adam ultimately bears the responsibility. 
In 1 Timothy 2.13, the Word of God is clear. For God made Adam first, and afterward he made Eve. And it was not Adam who was deceived by Satan. The woman was deceived and sinned. What's the result? What's the result? And sin was the result. There it is. The origin of death, the enemy invasion into the kingdom of men. Immortality was transformed into mortality. Do you know what it is if somebody looks at you and says you're mortal? Do you know what it means? It means you are subject to death. You know what it means to be immortal? Not immoral. Immortal? That T is really important in there. You know what it means? You're not subject to death. Death cannot come to you. Immortality was transformed into mortality. Do you believe it? You must admit that since then, since Adam and Eve, everyone has died. Different people get a different amount of years, but the conclusion is everybody dies. Everybody. In Genesis 5-5, what happened to Adam? Genesis 5-5, Adam lived 930 years and then he died. I wonder if he started drawing Social Security when he was 62. In fact, there are only two that we know about that didn't die a physical death. Enoch and Elijah. The enemy's here. He's among us. And today we assemble this crowd to tell you the truth. Sin is the cause of death, and we have all sinned, so we will all die. Unless something changes. So what does that have to do with Easter? <laughs> I'm glad you asked that question. So what does that have to do with Easter? Everything. Everything. I've got some really good news about this enemy called death. I'd say that I just got goosebumps on my own arm, and I haven't even read it to you yet. In Romans 6, 23, God's Word, God's Word, God's Word. If you're struggling with the fact that Romans 6, 23 is God's Word, I bet you're struggling with this entire story. Then you're going to be left with a really big question about death and life. God's Word says this, for the wages of sin is death. Did you know you get paid for sin? Wages? You get a paycheck. The problem is you don't ever get to cash it because you're dead. It is the paycheck. The wages of sin is death. But there's a free gift. Somebody say hallelujah. But the free gift of God is what? Eternal life. Through Christ Jesus our Lord. There's another choice. It's a gift from God, and He has given you a choice, a chance to choose life. I asked the question earlier, who would choose death while they lived in paradise? Now I rephrase the question, who would refuse to choose life while they are dying? Did you hear me? I'm, I'm going to rephrase the question. Who would refuse life while you're dying, while you're in a body that's dying? Who would refuse the offer of paradise in your future? Eternal paradise and immortality. Who, who would, if, if somebody offered you a fountain of youth, 
Who would turn it down when you were sick and dying? Moses was a preview, a shadow of the coming Messiah, Jesus Christ. It's important that you understand Moses' role in biblical text. He is a preview, a shadow of the coming Messiah, Jesus Christ. He is not the Messiah, but he is a preview. Much of what Jesus was going to do, Moses did in a different sense. He was the deliverer. He set them free. He took them to the promised land. He is this preview, and Moses reveals this freedom of choice to the Jewish people 1,500 years before Jesus is born in Bethlehem. Deuteronomy 30, verse 11. Moses is addressing the people of Israel, and he says, This command I am giving you today is not too difficult for you to understand. And it's not beyond your reach. It's not kept in heaven so distant that you must ask, who will go up to heaven and bring it down so we can hear it and obey? It's not kept beyond the sea so far away that you must ask, who will cross the sea to bring it to us so that we can hear it and obey? No, this message, this message, this word of God, this message is very close at hand. It's on your lips and it's in your heart so that you can obey it. Do you see it? God was going to offer life to those who were dying. He reveals it through a man named Moses. But this offer was only to the children of Abraham, not to the Gentiles, not yet. Before it ever came to the Gentiles, it came to the Jewish people. Through the law, God was doing something to cover their sin guilt. If sin equals death, if sin equals death, 100%, God would have to do something with sin to stop death. God was doing something to cover their sin guilt, holding back the curse of death, holding back the enemy of death in among the people of Israel. Death was going to pay. Listen, in the time of Moses, God said death is going to pay for death. Death it will pay for death. The blood of a lamb will atone or pay for the sins of man, but only for the people of Israel in the beginning. Death will be the payment for death. The lamb must die. The blood of the lamb, 1,500 years before Jesus, the blood of an animal would cover, atone, for the sins of man, and thus death would be held back. The curse would be held back. The curse of death. This was a preview of that which was coming. And God offered it to the Jewish people first. Moses continues, verse 15. Now listen. Today I'm giving you a choice. You read it earlier on the screen. Moses looks at Israel and says, Today I'm giving you a choice between life and death, between prosperity and disaster. For I command you this day to love the Lord your God and to keep all His commands, decrees, and regulations by walking in His ways. If you do this, what if you don't? If you do this, you will live and multiply 
and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are about to enter and occupy. But if your hearts turn away, but if your hearts turn away and you refuse to listen, and if you're drawn away to serve and worship other gods, pause for a moment. If, if you're drawn away and worship other gods and you listen to that enemy who says you can be your own God, you can make your own rules, you can set your own boundaries, you can decide for yourself what's good and what's evil. But if you're drawn away and you worship other gods, then I warn you, you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live a long, good life in the land you're crossing the Jordan to occupy. The freedom of choice. Moses offered it. God told Moses to give it to the people. If you listen and obey, who would turn down life while they're dying? I keep asking that question. Who would turn down life while they're dying? Who would turn down the blessed future in the promised land? And what does this have to do with Easter? This is why there's an Easter. Moses continues, verse 19. Today I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice that you make. Heaven and earth are going to watch what you decide. Church, are you hearing? Heaven and earth are going to watch. They're witnesses to your decision regarding truth. I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice that you make. Oh, oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying Him and committing yourself firmly to Him. This is the key to your life. And if you love and obey the Lord, you will live long in the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Some did. I, I can tell you, I read the whole story. Some did and some didn't. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants' life might live. And read the story. Read the story. Read the story. We've got history. I can tell you what they chose. Some did and some didn't. Choose life. Some chose death. Some believed and some didn't. That's the choice. Some will and some won't. That's the reality of all mankind. Under the curse of death, some will and some won't. In this room, right now, in this room, right now, it is highly likely that some of you will and some of you won't. Choose life. So what does this have to do with Easter? What if there was one man that didn't come from Adam? What if there was one man that did not come from Adam? What if there was one man that wasn't under the curse? What if there was one man that wasn't under death? What, what if, what if, what if, what if the, the, the origin of death was an enemy invasion from outside this world? What if there's another invasion from outside this world? But this time he's not an enemy. What if there's another invasion to planet Earth, but this time he's not an enemy, and this time he's not bringing death. This time he's coming to bring life and cancel death and cancel the curse. What if there could be a second Adam? And what if we could start all over? 
What if you and I, knowing what happened in the Garden of Eden, what if you and I could start all over? We can get a do-over, a second chance at life. If everyone from the first Adam was genetically polluted and infected with the sin nature from birth, what if there was, what if, what if, what if there was another Adam? Well, I got some good news. Romans 5.12. When Adam sinned, Romans 5.12, look at it on the screen. When Adam sinned, what happened? What happened? Sin entered the world. One man. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death. So so death spread to everyone for everyone sinned, right? What if there was a chance today, right now in this room, I'm asking you, what if there's a chance, a choice to change our spiritual genealogy from Adam under the curse of death to a second Adam, one that never sinned? What would happen to death if there was a second Adam? What would happen to death, the curse, if there was a second Adam? And this second Adam never sinned. What if there was a second Adam that didn't fall for the lie of Satan, the shrewdness of Satan, that said, you can be like God. But he didn't go for it but he held only to the truth of God the Father. What if I told you that of all the... What if I told you... This this is to me... This is one of these wow moments years ago. What if I told you of all the billions of people who ever lived on planet Earth, there is only one whose father, 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 father was an Adam. Only one. That his daddy does not trace to Adam. But there's only one. What if I told you that? Do you understand why the virgin birth is so important to eternal life? Because there is one who is not under the curse. There is one who is not from Adam's seed, but only one. Would you believe that truth if I told you? God's Word has revealed the answer to that question. And by the way, I see Easter in 1 Corinthians 15, 21. Here we go. So you see, just as death came into the world through a man, now the resurrection, I see Easter, now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. Just as everyone dies because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given what? Say it out loud. Be given what? New life. But there's an order to the resurrection. Christ was raised at the first of the harvest. And by the way, that's already happened. Christ, there's an order to this resurrection. Christ was raised. He was raised. He sits now at the right hand of God the Father. There's an order to the resurrection. And then all who belong to Christ, what's going to happen? Will be raised when? When he comes back. Amy sang that song. Ain't ain't no grave going to hold my body. Ain't no grave going to hold me down. They will be raised when he comes back. There's a loud trumpet coming. And the dead in Christ are going to be raising from their graves. Do you believe this stuff? 
What does this have to do with Easter? Everything. Jesus is coming back. There's a resurrection. There's an order to the resurrection. And the first piece of the puzzle has already been put in place. A man rose from the dead. The second Adam came, never sinned, rose from the dead and became the substitute, the payment for my sin, my curse. Your sin, your curse. That's why Jesus told us we must be born again. We must be born again. We must change our spiritual genealogy from Adam to Christ. And I'll tell you, every one of us, when we were born into this world, whatever day that was, whatever year that was, we have something in common. We are from the genealogy, the physical and spiritual genealogy of Adam. And guess what? I am infected with sin. Nobody is exempt. And Jesus comes upon in the world. He comes from, from heaven to earth. And he says, you must be born a second time. Why? Because the first time you're from Adam. You're under the curse. You're going to die. John 3, 3, Jesus says this. I tell you the truth. Do you believe he's telling the truth? Have you been born again? I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again. That means you've got to be born a second time. You cannot see the kingdom of God. Why? Why can't those not born again ever see the kingdom of God? I want everybody to think deeply about this question for a second. Jesus says, unless you're born again, you cannot. You will not see the kingdom of God. Why? Why not? God? Why not? Jesus? Because the kingdom of God is for living people, not dead people. And unless you are born again, you're a dead person. Because you're from Adam, and you're under the curse. And unless you get out from under that curse, you're a dead person. You may be standing upright, but you're the walking dead. And heaven is not for dead people. Heaven is for the living. Hell is for dead people. And I'm going to tell you, it's real. Who would choose death over life. Let me put it a different way. Who would choose hell over heaven? No one unless they are deceived. But he's here. The enemy invasion is real. Did God really say? How many people sitting in this room right now, you're, you're struggling. How many people in this room right now are struggling that this is the Word of God? And you're, in your mind, you might not say it out loud, but you say, well, I'm, I'm not really sure about that. Did God really say? He's shrewd. Who would choose hell over heaven? Heaven is not for dead people. Hell is for dead people. Did you notice how Jesus phrased the statement, I tell you the truth? Do you believe it? You know, the real answer to that question would be whether or not you're, you've been born again. Because I can tell you, I, 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 my daddy used to be Adam, but now through Jesus Christ, my father is God. Jesus is my brother. I have been brought into the family by connecting my life through faith in Jesus Christ. And now we've got the same father. I'm not under the curse. Ain't no grave going to hold me down. Is that you? This is not some arrogance. Arrogance would be that's based on me. 
No, it's confidence. It's based on him, and he will keep his promises. You have the freedom to choose. I can't choose for you, and you can't choose for me. You have the freedom to choose. Moses offered this choice of life and death to the Jews, but now this incredible gift of God has been offered to us Gentiles. I've talked about it for the last two weeks, how to the faraway Gentiles, God has offered you and I the ability to choose life. You can be born again. I'm looking at you in the room today. You can be born again. You can change your spiritual genealogy from death to life. But you must be born again. Jesus says you must be born of the water and the spirit. You've got to unhitch from Adam and hitch to him. It's within your reach. It's not up in heaven where you can't reach it. God brought heaven down to earth. It's within your reach. It's not across the ocean where you can't go. Anyone can believe. Anybody can believe. Choose life over death. Who would refuse life while they're dying? Is this a crazy question? Because I just keep coming in my mind with the same question. Does anybody in the room think that you're going to live for 930 years like Adam? If, if you thought you had 930 years, I could see why you might put this thing off. But how much longer do you have? What if I told you there was a cure to death? Listen, what if I told you today? And I've often thought about this in a, in a logical sense, that maybe someday in our lifetime someone will come up with a cure to cancer. Can you imagine what would be on the news? What would cover the Internet? What would cover planet Earth that some guy has invented the cure to cancer? right? It would be the biggest news of, of our generation, right? There's a cure for cancer. But even if it cured cancer, you're still going to die. What if there's a cure to death? And I'm going to tell you what it is. What if there's a cure to death? The resurrection from the dead cures death 100% of the time. The resurrection is the cure of death. And it's within your reach. But you must be born again. And who would refuse life while they're dying? Here's the answer. Here's the answer. Unbelievers. There it is. Unbelievers. Unbelievers are deceived by the enemy. About the enemy. They are deceived by Satan about the issue of death. God says you'll surely die and Satan says you'll not. But look around for the truth. I suppose Jesus could have announced this anywhere, but he chose a graveyard scene. In John eleven twenty six. 26, Jesus says, Everyone who lives and believes in me, everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. And you might say, how do you back that up? The resurrection of the dead cures death 100% of the time. That even if you fall dead, even if you fall dead, in the resurrection you're going to live. Your soul is going to leave that corpse and go to be with the Lord. And when he comes back, that body's going to come. And your soul's going into a new body. It cures death. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? See, everybody has to answer the question. I have to answer the question. And I can't answer it for you. And you're not going to answer it for me. You're not going to answer it for your wife. You're not going to answer it for your children. You're going to answer it for you. In fact, let me say, you are answering it. 
It's not that you're going to. You've been answering it for a long time. We answer this question every day. I began today by calling death an enemy. It was an enemy invasion into the kingdom of men. I close today with the future of this enemy. I close today because I can tell you where this enemy ends up. There are a series of things. Listen carefully to how I close today. The Bible is clear. It has been prophesied. There are a series of things that must, must, must take place on the earth. There is going to be a great apostasy, a great falling away inside the church. You can't stop it. I can't stop it. It's prophesied. It's going to happen. Just don't you get involved in it. You stay outside of it. The true church, and he knows who they are, the true church is going to be caught up in the air to be with the Lord. It is unstoppable. We just don't know the timing. There will be a tribulation that will follow that event, a time on earth when Jesus says that if those days were not cut short, no human life would exist on this planet. These things are prophesied. They are announced. They are unstoppable events. But I'm going to tell you something happens after that. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 24. Here it is. Not my opinion. And after that. What? After there's a great falling away in the church. After there is, there is a rapture of the church. They're caught up to be with the Lord. After this great tribulation, seven years on, of hell on the earth. And after that, the end will come. When he, Jesus, will turn the kingdom over to God the Father. What will he have done by that point? Having destroyed every ruler, Jesus, having destroyed every ruler and every authority and every power, for Christ must reign until he has humbled his enemies beneath his feet, beneath his feet. And the last enemy, who is the final enemy? The last enemy to be destroyed is, say it out loud, death. Death is going to die. Sounds crazy, doesn't it? Death is going to die. Cease to exist. Death will be destroyed in the end after that. There is no death in heaven or on the new earth. There is no death for those who belong to Christ, born again into Christ. There is a place of the dead. Listen. There is a place of the dead. It's called hell. They exist there, but it is not called life. Satan is going there, and all who believe the lie will go with him. Did God really say? You don't have to guess about this. The Word of God is clear. Revelation. Here's what's coming. Do you believe this? Revelation 21.3. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among His people. He will live with them and they will be His people and God Himself will be with them. And He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain for all these things are gone for how long? Forever. Paradise. 
Sounds like paradise, the Garden of Eden before the enemy invasion. I want to be with the Lord, with my Savior and King, after the last enemy is destroyed. In fact, let me tell you, the goal of my life is I want to be with Him when He turns everything over to the Father and the last enemy is defeated. Do you believe this stuff? I'm looking around the room today. Do you believe this stuff? Is it truth or is it a lie? You might disagree with me on many things. But what, about, what are you going to do about this word called death? Look around. It's real and it's coming. What are you going to do? What are you going to do about death? What is the truth about death? You will surely die or you will not surely die. Do you believe the word of God to be the truth about death? Does it matter? Faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes by the word of God. Moses said to Israel, This command I'm giving you today is not too difficult for you to understand, and it is not beyond your reach. Believers believe it. Unbelievers don't. Which one's telling the truth? What does this have to do with Easter? The resurrection. Next week, it was going to be Palm Sunday. I'm going to deal with the second word, burial. And I want to ask you to invite someone to come and be a part of this. And here's why. Burial is the gap between death and resurrection. It is the in-between. Death, burial, resurrection. I'll ask Chad to come out for the invitation. Have you been born again? You're in the room today. You've been born again? Have, have your, is your spiritual DNA, your genealogy, spiritual genealogy, been transferred from Adam to Jesus Christ? Then ain't no grave going to hold you down. Death has been arrested by the king and locked away doesn't belong to you but if you're in this room today and you have not been born again of the water and of the spirit that's what jesus said then you're a walking dead person and if you walk in dead people walk out that door you have made a choice but there's another choice choose life choose life confess with your mouth that jesus is lord and believe in your heart god raised him from the dead you'll be saved the invitation's open let's stand